Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. I think that's the first time I've been called Karen before, but thank you, Danielle, out there. Uh, But anyways, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name's Aaron, not Karen, Aaron DeMaster, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, What you're in for is a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is help you connect with God in a worshipful way and then help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style may just be a bit different than normal or other churches you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible and we take God very seriously and want to help you take your next step each week you are here. Today, we're kicking off a new series on prayer called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, This is actually a direct quote from Jesus' disciples or his followers. In Luke 11.1, they say this, Lord, teach us to pray. This is literally after Jesus' followers have seen him have this vibrant, prioritized life set on praying to God the Father. One that they see heals people, one that moves Jesus to doing the miraculous, and one that led Jesus to live this fully honorable life to God. And the disciples, they're seeing this, and they're like, I feel like we're missing something. We want all of those things. Teach us. We want what you have going on. I want to pause there for a second and think, have you felt like that before? You read about things in the Bible or you see things about how prayer should be this vibrant, fulfilling, powerful thing, yet you're not experiencing it fully that way. Or for me personally, that's been the case for me. And I've begged, like the disciples, teach me to pray, God. Teach me how to pray. Now, honestly, that's been a bit of my journey as a Christian, like even as a Christian today still. uh, For me, early on, prayers, they started as this thing of me hoping for something. Like, I remember praying for a Millennium Falcon as a kid, right? Like, I just want one of these. Well, I got one of these instead. Not the same thing, if you didn't know, uh, totally not. But I eventually got a Millennium Falcon, and it, it, was, it was great. And then it shifted, like it translated to praying for wins. Like I wanted wins for our sports teams. Like I was a baseball and soccer player, uh, and I'd be praying in high school, like, let us win, let us win. And it worked sometimes until we play like teams like Xavier or Fox Valley Lutheran or even WLA sometimes. It's those Christian schools. They must be doing all the praying or something. I, I don't know, but, but for real, uh, I'd pray for wins, and they'd happen sometimes and sometimes not. Uh, recently, I was praying for the Bucks, right? Like, go Bucks, right? Like, come, God, have the Bucks win. I almost wore my jersey last week in honor of them, but uh, that was something I'd pray for. I'd pray for girlfriends. Like, ooh, I really like that girl, God, please. Or it'd be like praying, like all of a sudden, like I'd start to shift and feel like I'm maturing a bit. I'd start praying before meals. Like I'm just going to pray before all meals. Uh, that was what prayer was to me. It'd be praying to not get pulled over by the cop that I just flo- flew by on the highway. It'd be praying for even like personal issues that I was dealing with, like acne or things inside of me that I just like, I, God, please take this away. Have me not deal with this anymore. It, and I'd even be praying for others. Sickness, heal this person, help this person. I would do all these prayers, and it felt like at times I was doing something that worked, but then at other times it felt like I was just doing this mindless mumbling. 
This mindless mumbling and, and monotonous prayer that was just begging God for things. Like, it honestly felt like I was going to this wishing well, and then I had this checklist item of, like, make sure I pray about it. Like, that's, like, one thing I can do. Make sure I pray about it. And then once I, like, if I got what I wanted, great. If I didn't, oh well, right? It just felt like something I should do, yet I never got much out of it. So much so that I felt at times, what is the point? What's the point of prayer? I know that's maybe awkward to hear, like coming from someone who's now a pastor, right? But I'm trying to be real here, and I always try to do my best to be real here on stage. And I want you to think for yourself, though. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you felt that way about prayer? Like questioning, is it worth it or not? Whether it's doing anything or not. Whether God is actually listening or not. I think we've all been there at times, right? And we've all been there. And over these past few years, I've been kind of on this prayer journey, I like to call, and this mind sh- mind, mindset of shifted mindset on what prayer really is, what it's doing to me. And I feel this journey, I'm just at the beginning, right? It's been a few years, but I felt necessary, like, or it was necessary for me to, like, study deep for this series, like, really study in over these last couple of weeks of really get ready for this series, because I want to help us as a church be on a journey of prayer. So in this four-week series, and during my time of studying and reflection, I tried to approach this topic of prayer in a way that would make sense to anyone, right? And one that would be clear for normal people to experience how prayer could be meaningful to them, how it could be vibrant and powerful to them. So in this series, we're going on this four-week journey together of what prayer is, how to pray, and how to harness its power and possibilities, Today, we're, we're looking at the what and how to prayer, and we're focusing on the Lord's Prayer, which is actually Jesus' response to the disciples when they say, teach us to pray. Next week, we're going to be looking at a few prayers that people did in the Bible, such as David, and people that prayed these big prayers, and then God showed up and did the miraculous with their prayers. So if that's something you're dealing with, that's going to be one you don't want to miss. In week three, we're going to be talking about the upper room, which is the upper room. There was a time where where Jesus' followers were up in this upper room praying for, like, revival, praying for things to happen. And then all of a sudden they prayed, and they went out, and thousands and thousands of people's lives changed. We're going to talk about how we can create our own upper rooms here at church, in your workplace, at schools, wherever. So that's week three. And then week four, uh, we're going to talk about what prayer looks like that has God's full backing behind it. As in prayer that's producing the miraculous. So who's excited about this series? Besides me. Yeah, all right. I'm excited about this. Yeah, so, so let's get to it. Uh, so, so to start, what is prayer, right? What is prayer? In our beliefs here at Centerpoint, we have it stated this way. It says, prayer is a way we communicate with God here on earth. Through prayer, we can make our pleas think, and reflect on what God is doing in our lives. Prayer is also a way to analyze what we are doing with our lives and how involved we are allowing God to be in them. So prayer is communicating. It's communicating with God. It's literally a time where you are dialoguing with God. Like think, in order to have a relationship with someone, with God or anyone, you have to converse, right? You have to talk at least a little bit. And as conversation goes, there's a speaking part, right? And there's a listening part as well. I think most of us are really good at the speaking part, right? Like we know things to say. We can speak. We can go on and on about excuses, a story, a situation. Like, God, help this, help this situation. Please, please, please do this. And like, luckily God isn't like this. Like, cool story, bro. 
Like, no, he, he actually listens. The Bible says he listens to our pleas. He listens to the things we say. But if it's a conversation, and that's what prayer really is, are we listening ever? Recently, I, I was thinking about the concept of dialogue in between my child and myself. Uh, I have this little girl, her name's Eliza, she's one year old, and she loves to talk to me. Like, she loves the word, like, ooh, right? That's a good word, ooh. Uh, she, but she, and she does a lot of pointing and, like, like, noises. Well, anyways, her new words lately have been stinky. She likes to say stinky. She likes to... She does make a lot of stinkies, yep. Uh, she likes to say up, and she likes to say more a lot. Those are like her things. Now, no is even in the vocabulary for her as well, which is not fun. Uh, her speaking, it's cute, but I don't really like the no. But anyways, as she cues me in on what she wants, communicates, speaks, tells me, uh, she goes through these mumbles and gestures. But she doesn't really listen to my reciprocation of language super well, right? She's not a very good listener to my, my words that I say. Like, uh, I, I have this desire or personal wish for myself personally to be kind of like this new agey parent that's like, hey, I have this one-year-old that I can say like, Eliza, you should be smarter than that. You know, like, I, that's like out of my dream to maybe be like that type of parent. I don't know. Maybe I'm like wishful thinking. But anyways, Eliza, like, I'll say things to her like, Eliza, no more M&Ms you're going to throw up. And then if, if she just understood, that'd be amazing, right? She'd listen to me, but she cries and runs. It's not fun. Or Eliza, don't go down those rocks, you're going to fall. And then she just turns and stops and goes the other way. Not really, right? She, she, instead, she doesn't listen and she goes, and now she has a giant shiner on her forehead. Uh, or Eliza, watch out, watch out. And then she'd be like, okay, okay. That is not the case. My statements don't work because honestly, she is a child and she's childlike. She's being childlike. But so many times I see God as a father figure and me being his child, I like to think I'm a mature child to him, but at times I'm childlike and I don't listen. I don't listen. I don't even give him a chance to dialogue back to me. How about you? Are you doing that in your prayers, in your dialogue with God, giving him a chance to speak back to you? So as we talk about this concept of prayer, we are speaking and we're listening to God. Now as always here at Centerpoint, I like to get as real and practical as possible. And right away today, I want us to just take 30 seconds to do that individually, to pray and to listen, to actually speak to God and to actually listen to God. I know. It's going to be weird. Normally I say, like, I won't make you do anything weird or say anything weird. But this is just 20 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, an opportunity for you to actually speak to God inside your head and your heart and listen to God. So right now, we're, we're all going to pray. We're going to pray for God to help our prayer life. So we're literally going to speak in our heads to God. God, help me. We have it right up on the slide here. God, help me with my prayer life. What do you want from me? That's what we're going to pray, and then we're going to sit silently for 20 seconds. So I know it's weird, but let's just do that right now. So would you bow your heads with me and pray? We say, God, help me with my prayer life. What do you want from me?
Amen, right? So we literally just did the most basics of prayer. Communicated and listened. In that 20 seconds, maybe you heard or felt something while you're listening. Like maybe you, you felt the words listen or you maybe felt this is weird, right? That'd be totally normal too. I'd be thinking that too. Maybe you felt be still. Maybe you felt focus in on me more. Maybe you've heard welcome back. Maybe you heard let's have this happen daily. We need to do this more often. Or maybe the silence just was silence, which implies you need to be there longer. So we did it. We, we prayed, right? Woo, done, sermon over. No, uh, not so much. Prayer is, is this spot where we can hear, gain direction, comfort, support, experience conviction, ask for forgiveness, and give our requests. And it's where God of the universe both listens and responds to us. At times, prayer maybe feels like just this time of self-reflection, right? Like if you're a non-Christian in the room, it honestly is helpful in a sense to just guide you in self-reflecting on yourself. Like it's just a way to analyze what is going on in your life. Now, that's powerful in itself. But prayer, when aligned to God's character and truly God, it's self-knowledge of yourself as a follower of Christ that is in, impossible to achieve in any other way. Did you hear that? Did you hear what that's saying? It's saying when you pray to God and seek Jesus' ways and guidance, you will inevitably hear God and come to self-knowledge of yourself and what you need to do that is God-honoring for you, that you couldn't achieve any other way. You just need to take that time that silence, that reflection, and that active listening to God. Timothy Keller, he's a, a, a pastor in New York. He's, he's kind of like a modern-day theologian. He says this, Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves in life. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the time we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. That's amazing, right? Maybe that's what you needed to hear today. It's simply that, or leave with today. It's simply that you need to take some time to be silent, to self-reflect, to pray and, and have a better self-awareness and have this time for God to actually give you direction. But prayer is more than that. It's more than, than just self-reflection. It also is this conversation with God. What does that even look like, right? To converse with God. Well, you can literally pray. There's, there's prayers of the Psalms. You maybe have heard of the book of the Psalms. Um, you, can, you can pray literally this book in the Bible. You can pray what's written in the scriptures of the Psalms. It's people praying all the time, and you can just pray right on that. You can read it and pray that to God. You can pray or meditate on other scripture. You can pray just what's on your mind, what you're thinking a lot of times, my prayers of those options are this. So for things that are on my mind, it's, hey, God, I don't understand this. Please help me. Or my prayer on Scripture is, hey, God, I'm stressed right now. I'm impatient right now. But you say in Scripture, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I, I'll be like, change my nerves, please. 
right? Like, that's my prayer at times. Or the Psalms. A lot of times I'll look through a Psalm and I'll be like, thanks God for being with me. And there's a Psalm that's all about, for whom shall I fear for you are with me? And I meditate on that and pray on that. Now many of you say, cool Aaron, I get this. But my prayer life doesn't seem that meaningful. Which gets us caught up to the disciples. The first verse we looked at. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they... Everything we now know about prayer is everything they knew about prayer at that time. And they make the request to Jesus. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. Because they are like a lot of us, and they want to know there's more to it. There's more to it. Help me experience this more. I know uh, I'm a little impartial to this, or partial to this as a pastor, but isn't that amazing? Like when people in the Bible like are asking some of the same exact questions we are. Like, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me how to do what you're doing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me being a pastor and nerding out. But anyways, like this is how Jesus responds to the disciples. He says this. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. You maybe recognize this a little bit. Nod your head if you do. All right, cool. I see a couple people. Good, good. If you grew up in the church, you definitely recognize this. Jesus is telling them what the church has coined as kind of like the Lord's Prayer, right? You maybe grew up memorizing it. You maybe like stated a prayer that's similar to this, depending on the version that you use. But that's literally all it was to a lot of us. A memorization. A thing we just said, and that was it, right? But what's powerful about it is many scholars look at this prayer and they see it as this formula in teaching us how to actually have an effective prayer and a certain way to pray to God. So we're going to take a closer look at it and we're going to look at the account of this prayer in Matthew because I think it's closer to probably what a lot of us have said in church if we've been in the church, uh, maybe know as the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, 9. It says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is literally giving us instruction on how to pray powerfully as he did through an example of a prayer. Does he want us just to repeat this prayer? To just say it? To have it be something that's kind of mindless or a memorization? Of course not, right? Of course not. As humans, we're really good at memorizing things. We're really good at memorizing things, having things stuck in our head. Like, think of all the songs you know. Like, you listen to the songs on the radio, you're like, yeah, you, you know all the words, but have zero idea what the song's about. Like, is anybody guilty of that? Like, that is totally me. I know all the words, but it, like, what is that? I'm singing about, oh, you know, right? Like, we have that, like, response. We know movie lines. We know sayings. We know words. But, like, we don't really know what it's about. We just know the, it's kind of fun or it's catchy or it's something that we really, like, identify with. I mean, think of all the songs, movie lines that you know. You don't know the meanings of them, right? You have no idea. If you're like me, you're like these people in this movie clip that are, like, kind of singing and, like, they, they don't really, like, know the words or what they're saying. Check it out. Where we're living at this moment, you mean everything. 
That's pretty much me. Uh, I know a few lines, but don't know a lot. We're so good at memorization and repetition, but meaning and understanding what we're saying, like they're singing about the end of the world, right? Really? <laughs> you know, like, but the meaning and the follow-through from a message or an answer or response is hard. The message from the Lord's Prayer, actually identifying with it and having meaning come from it, it's hard. And that's what the Lord's Prayer, though, should do. It should prompt change and bring meaning to us. The Lord's Prayer, it's full of petitions, they're called, and, and we can study the themes of what they are and then make them personal by praying these certain petitions on how Jesus literally instructs us. When I realized this, boom, that was huge for me. It was huge for my prayer life that Jesus has given us keys to doing prayer the way God wants. And in a way, he experienced direction, miracles, and he lived the way God wanted him to. It makes me want to do this prayer more and more often, right? So we're going to look at this prayer line by line and see if we can learn literally what the disciples of Jesus learned, how to pray. Many big older Christian thinkers, Luther, John Calvin, Augustine, they studied this prayer and they came to different conclusions of what the categories maybe are or on this prayer. It's kind of all over the place. But I'm going to try and break it down for us using their teachings, but make it as real and understandable as possible for us to understand. I believe there's five separate categories that are worth including in your daily prayers. So we're going to start by looking at the first section. It's in Matthew 6. All, the, all of it's in Matthew 6. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first one is worship. The first category should be a worship when you're praying you adore, worship, or show you have this respect for God. As a kid, I remember like saying like the Lord's Prayer, and I remember saying, hollow is your name, right? Thinking like tree, like hollowed out, like thinking I'm all like know-it-all-y, like hollow be your name, right? Like that's not what it means. God's name is not hollow, all right? Um, what hollow actually means is made holy, consecrated, honored, right? Now, may your name be worshipped and respected is what Jesus is telling us to pray for. And it's showing adoring, respectful relationship. When Jesus says, Father, our Father, Jesus is saying, Father, Abba. Like, he's showing that prayer can be this parent-child relationship, this closeness, this respect, this adoration, this worship. One that shows superiority to God. Now, when I think about this in my own situation, again, I have Eliza, my daughter. I already talked about her. Sorry, she's cute. She's a big part of my life. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm not excited for her ever to say Aaron. I'm not excited about that. Like, Aaron. That's not exciting to me, right? I, it doesn't show me adoration. It's not even, like, really that, like, respectful to me. Like, uh, I'm excited about her saying Dada, Dad, because it's our relationship. My, even my parents now are the same, right? Like, it's kind of awkward to be like, what's up, Tim? You know, like, it, do, it, just, it doesn't show that adoration. My name for them implies a relationship. Sure, it takes time to, to get there with God for us in our journey with our relationship with him, for some of us to say father to him, but names matter, and it shows respect and adoration. 
So a uh, little side note, my name's Aaron, right? Uh, and I have one thing that people like to joke about is how I actually have a lot of names. Uh, so I, to give you just a little bit of background on myself, like I, I have a master's in theology. Uh, I'm a master in martial arts, like because I have a fifth degree black belt. Uh, people call me Mr. DeMaster when I teach. And then I am a licensed pastor. I'm also a DeMaster is my last name. Master, pastor, Mr. DeMaster is like, there's a lot, there's a lot of stirs in there, right? Like, this is silly. Like, even my, my family's like, hey, we got to get you a shirt for this. Like, pastor, DeMaster, master, like, you know, like, they like, they like giving me names, I guess. I, I don't know. Anyways, first off, how, like, the name is, is what people use is how they associate with me, right? And I want to just tell you, Aaron is totally fine. Don't feel like you have to say pastor. Aaron is totally fine. But my name is Aaron, and a lot of times people associate the relationship with what the name is that they give me. Now, this is silly, but when you do that to God, does it show your relationship to him? With all that said, when you pray to God, are you implying relationship? Are you showing adoration with respect with the name you use? Father. God Almighty, God, Jesus, King. Maybe for you right now, it's just someone who's listening to me, right? What is that relationship to God that shows respect to him? What is the name you use? So that's the first part of our, our prayer. It should, in, it should involve worship and like a respect. The next section is this. Uh, so it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This section is huge. What I, I, I kind of categorize it as is alignment. It's alignment. Praying God brings his ways here on earth in your life to others, to the world. It's praying for God's ways to come here right now, meaning God's ways of forgiveness, God's ways of healing, God's ways of grace, fullness, care, love, support. You're praying for those things to be present on this earth. It's praying for God's things to happen here on earth. The ways of God that you maybe like and the ways of God that you probably don't like too. When you pray that, you're praying for that to come. Your kingdom come. Practically speaking, Jesus is saying, pray that people forgive and experience forgiveness. That's his kingdom coming to people. That's a big ask, right? Like, and a different ask than many of us do or even want to do at times, right? Jesus is saying, a pray, pray for God's ways to be done not your own way. God's kingdom, not your kingdom. Sure, God wants to give us the desires of our heart, but he teaches us to pray to God to have his kingdom come here. So when you're saying that, when you're saying that prayer that Jesus instructs us to do, you're saying, God, make me stop gossiping. I want your kingdom to come. I don't want gossip anymore. Saying, God, I want, get rid of my greed. I want your kingdom to come. God, end pride in me. End my pride. Make forgiveness happen for me and that person I don't want to forgive. Make that happen. Your kingdom come. God, make your timeline my timeline for things. Your kingdom come, right? That's a hard thing to pray. But that's the prayer Jesus did that caused radical change and miracles. What do you need to pray? What do you need to pray for his kingdom to come? to align your ways to God's kingdom. That, that's that, that next section. 
If we keep going, though, the next section says this. Give us today our daily bread. Give us our needs. Our needs. It's a time where we can tell God our needs. But our daily bread is what Jesus implies. And to know a little bit more, what is daily bread, right? Like, is it just like having like a loaf of bread every day? Like, that's what we need? No, it, it kind of talks about the things of life. In Proverbs 38, it says this. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. It's not asking for riches or luxury. It's not asking for poverty or nothing. It's asking, just take care of me. Make sure my needs are met. Make sure that I have what I need. Now God wants to give us the desires of our hearts. In Psalm 37, 4, it says this. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. But where you start seeing prayer work and God speak to you, and give you peace, is when you start thinking of the full Lord's prayer, right? Just prior, we asked, God, bring your kingdom here. Is your desires of your heart bringing God's kingdom? Is that aligned with God's kingdom? Are you delighting in your, your desires and not God's, maybe? Sometimes in these prayers, God shows up and says, no, not right now or wait in my timing, I have something better for you, or if you could only know what is being worked behind the scenes through you, that's sometimes God's response to us. So we can make our requests to God, we can ask for our daily bread, but be prepared for him to answer with, does it bring my kingdom? Is it aligned with my kingdom? Are you aligned? The next section of prayer, it goes into this, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive and be forgiven is the category. We are to confess our flaws as in Jesus implies. All of us have flaws, right? If you are unable to see your need for forgiveness, we are many times unable to then forgive others, right? Knowing we need forgiveness goes hand in hand with forgiving others. I, uh, I see a, a counselor sometimes to process, like, just how to care for our church, how to care for people. And she was telling me this. Uh, we, were, we were just kind of chatting, and she said, there's this deep connection between immaturity and offensibility of people being offended, between immaturity and being offended. What she meant is immature people are so easily offended or feel everything is out to get them or that things are owed to them. Mature people understand that things are going to happen to them, that grace and forgiveness is, is needed. It has to happen. I thought that was so powerful to hear, but I think it's exactly what Jesus thinks too when he's talking about this. He links our relationship with God and talks about it using parallels in our relationship with others to him. If you cannot forgive others for what they are do they've done to you, why should God forgive you? They go hand in hand, forgiving others and God forgiving you. That's maturity. What do you need to confess or ask for forgiveness of? And what do you need to forgive others for? Finally, our, our last section is this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Direction, it's praying for. Direction. Guide our choices. Lead us from the bad. Lead us not into temptation. I don't think it, uh, this is praying to... Don't ever have me be tempted, God. Don't ever have me experience temptation. As in the Christian walk, it's inevitable, right? You're always going to be tempted. You're always going to be tempted, tempted. And in temptation, how we respond to it is how we show God. 
But when we pray, Matthew 26:41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Praying that. And then the second part of that is protection from evil outside of us, right? Evil that's not within us, but evil that's outside. Are you praying for protection right, right now? Are you praying for you to not stumble into things? What are your temptations that need to be prayed about so that they are brought to your attention by God? When you pray again, things be revealed to you. What do you need to pray about so that you are aware of them, that you're being tempted by this? So that's the Lord's Prayer. Again, the five categories are, are this, praise, alignment, needs, forgive, be forgiven, and direction. Do you need to pray these? Do you need to use these? Which one have you been missing lately? Which one do you need to add into your normal prayer life? For you, is it praise, like to just show respect, to give authority? For you, is it align, like to pray for God's kingdom to come and for you to align with that? For you, maybe it's your needs. Are you praying for your basic needs to be met? For you, is it confession, right? Maybe, maybe you need to forgive and, and gain forgiveness. Or finally, do you need to need direction on what's safe and what's not so that you're not led to temptation? For me, even knowing all of this, knowing these things, praying these things, being on a prayer journey and being a pastor, I know I should pray. I know I should pray all these things always. I trust its power. I've even seen miraculous come from it. But I don't do it always. I don't. I, I get upset in the process of it. Like sometimes I just, I'm angry at the concept of prayer. Like the timing is not my timing. The results are not in my control. I'm kind of a control freak. And I hate it at times. I hate prayer. It's like looking in the mirror like after your first day back working out and expecting to be ripped, right? Like, I pray at one time, and I'm like, God, how have you not, like, fixed this yet, right? Now, that's how, not how prayer works. Knowing the change doesn't come immediately makes me personally not do it consistently, which is me then, right? At times, subconsciously feeling God doesn't have a care or desire for my prayer, which is just wrong. God desires prayer. He desires your prayer. And not only that, in that prayer, I gain time of personal self-reflection and that communication to God brings a godly understanding to my situations. And the times when it doesn't, that's where faith needs to fill the time gap for me. It needs to fill the time gap. If I'm not willing to pray because that time gap is open for months or years uh, where I'm not seeing something or God move, I'm living without faith and without belief in the divine God. And that has rocked my world. There's a quote that describes me well that we'll end on, and it's this. Many of you have known, I, I started this church as a, pa like, I'm the lead pastor of it. I, uh, we started during a pandemic, which has been crazy. And I just want to grow and do all the right things to, to reach people. But the quote really hit me. It says this. A minister may fill his pews, his communion oil, the mouths of the public, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. That hit me. That's me realizing my prayer life is my relationship with God. Without it, I'm nothing but a loud, kind of energetic person on stage playing church. 
With it, though, I'm empowered by God in his direction to do the unlimited. Now, that's me. But what about you? What if we change that quote to, a Christian may attend church, serve, give, and talk churchy, but what that Christian is on his or her knees in secret before God Almighty, that he, she is, and no more. As I wrap up, I encourage you to come on this prayer journey with me for these next four weeks. Uh, your prayer life can only get better from it, right? And in that, your relationship with God will only get better. This week, I challenge you to pray sometime this week, maybe it's every day, maybe it's just one time, to pray using those five key parts of the Lord's Prayer. Again, prayer is not just this way. It's not just the Lord's Prayer. It can be personal, out to God. It can be the Psalms. It can be through Scripture. But when you take time to pray the way Jesus has te taught us, there's something powerful to that, right? To actually do what Jesus says to do, that's so powerful. So take some time this week to pray that way. And as I close, I'm going to pray using these five categories. Uh, if you're interested in praying with me as I use these five categories and pray for us and our church, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for just providing everything we've had. Lord, you are an amazing Father. God, you have done so much for our life. God, we want to praise you. We want to we look to you. And God, I, we just pray that you have your ways be something that happens here on earth, that happens in our lives, that we can see what it is that you want us to do that aligns with you. And God, some of us, we have needs, God. We, we have things that just we want taken care of, God. You know what those needs are within us. God, please bring those things to us. We trust that you are a good Father that gives good gifts. And then God, forgive us. We've messed up at times. We've done some stupid things. God, I just pray that you forgive us, and you have us be that person that can forgive others. We've, we've, been, we've done some wrong against you, but God, we know that others have done wrong against us, and you've forgiven us, so we want to forgive others. So have that happen. And then finally, God, we pray for direction. We pray for direction on, on how to make sure that we don't have temptation or evil things happen to us. Make sure that we are aligned in the way you want us to live. In your name we pray. Amen.